It's a Gabler ass move. Doing nothing and pretending like you're playing 3D chess. Zing. <laughs> uh, I also just am resistant. I'm resistant to players who have main character energy. Right. I also think that his like archetype, not that we're like getting into like true survivor archetypes yet. Sure. But his personality type is historically so big in survivor. Yeah. They love a gentle good daddies. They da- like daddies. They, they, thank you. Survivor loves a daddy. Seattle loves Survivor loves a daddy, you know? It's uh because you know what? Everybody can vote for the daddy, right? Like if you don't like someone for a personal reason, you can always end up voting for daddy. Survivor, episode two, season 44, Two Dorky Magnets. Da-da! Pretty good. Not, not, not our best. We'll get better at that, too. Uh, all right, we're back. Welcome to False Idols, the second uh, episode of our podcast. Also, the second episode of season 44, Two Dorky Magnets. Ellie. Yeah. Post-tribal. Post-tribal Ratu. You know, the funny thing is, I actually wrote down the tribe names of nice. the other tribes, but not that one. <laughs> not Ratu. <laughs> Two-thirds of the way there, baby. We start the episode at Ratu, post-tribal. Yes. Brandon glaring at Kane. Oh, my God. Um, I, I, It was incredible how he was like, I'm trying to play it cool, calm, and collected. <laughs> and like... He looked like he wanted to murder Kane. It's just so endearing. It really endears me to Brandon, to your point, that he was like, he said, I am trying to act cool. <laughs> but I'll, but then he said, but you know, to the confessional, he said, I'm taking this to heart. And my only note was all caps, not acting cool, Brandon. <laughs> That's the thing. He was, it was, he was the least chill. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was so fucking funny. Uh, I wrote, about Brandon, don't get sour, bitch. You lived. <laughs> right? He played an idol episode one correctly. Yeah. Sussed that out. Absolutely. Played it well. He stayed alive, you know? You, you didn't get voted off first, you know? Maybe don't be bitter as much. Um, although I like how Kane is like, oh, oh, I am. I am proper <laughs> fucked. Like, it was pretty great. His reaction was like, all right, time to scramble. <laughs> yes. Can we make this work? Um, one thing that's really interesting, Matthew... Want to hear Ooh, your yeah. thoughts? He was talking about how he couldn't have seen that tribal go better. He successfully helped flush yeah. that idol, but Brandon stays, his ally stays, and there was a single vote ousting of Maddie. So Ma- Matthew was riding high. He loved that tribal. Yeah, Gabler ass move is all I got to say there. Like, and by Gabler ass move, I mean like, come on, dude, you literally did nothing. <laughs> like, it's fine. Like, he's trying to give himself a main character arc and the show is trying to give him a main character arc like really hard. But the fact is that like, we can all pretend like there is some like high strategy to like, you know, game, playing the shot in the dark, playing the shot in the dark, blah, blah, blah. But in truth, Matthew knew that he wasn't threatened at all. And this let him wash his hands of any consequences. Like, yeah, it went really well for him, but he didn't actually like do anything. <laughs> I do think though, it might be the first time that we've seen shot in the dark used as a mechanism to kind of hide where your loyalties lie early yeah. in the game, which sure. is interesting. Okay. The other, the other thing that came up post tribal, I'm sure it came out because they realized that only three votes were cast, but now everybody knows that Lauren has an extra vote and she explicitly said that yeah. she has an extra vote. Right. 
So that was post-tribal Ratu. It's the next day at Soka. And the, what is the episode title? Two Dorky Magnets. And this is the... How do they work? <laughs> this is the beginning of the Two Dorky Magnets. We see a lot of love and affection and bonding between Matt and Franny. I called it. I said they're going to have babies. You did call it. I didn't at all. They talk about, oh, they make some dick jokes. Yeah. LOL. I love a dick joke, lol. My uh, favorite moment of this scene or of this uh, <laughs> montage of their bonding. Oh, wouldn't it be nice? It's just Claire's active look oh, of disgust. Yes. That that does the big payoff. It's like, okay, I get it. <laughs> These two fucking nerds are just like really into each other's vibe. Claire suggests that it might be a good idea to spend some time apart. Heidi, interestingly, <laughs> said maybe he's going to bait and switch, which having seen all of those producer conversations, yeah. no chance. No fucking he chance. He does not have that strategy maybe, I like in his how body. She's like, maybe he's playing 3D chess. No, he's, he's not. Nope. He's a sad boy and a girl's giving him attention and it's and it's doing a lot for him right now. Uh, Claire is is just her face is just the most priceless <laughs> thing in all of creation in that moment. Uh it is a perfect encapsulation because it's not just like a bad idea. Like don't fall in love on Survivor. Right. Duh, but it's also like a terrible strategic move. Oh, that, you know? <laughs> that is exactly what I was going to say. Like it's been quite a bit since there was from day one kind of cute crush moment happening. And it is because that loses the game for you really quickly in most instances. Unless, you know, your name is Boston Rob. <laughs> Unless you just get married and have three beautiful daughters. Yeah, unless you get married after uh, conning everyone else in your season. A Into great a season. Into a million dollars. A great season. Dear God. Yeah. It, it, oh. is, it is objectively one of the great seasons of Survivor. Absolutely. Anyway, we don't have to talk about Boston uh, Rob. Yeah, no, we'll go back to... We I should would, have just a whole episode should, on Boston Rob. We should just have the Boston <laughs> Rob episode because there is... What a... What a, what a character to unpack you know absolutely like a real like american literary figure but he's he's he exists you know he's he's just bizarre anyway we don't even talk about boston rob right now i'm really doubtful that we'll ever see that again i don't know why but i'm just feeling like oh you mean like the the couple sorry no the uh the the four six-time players oh yeah no never again i think it's been so long since christian early days of survivor would have been brought back within two years yeah definitely and now, if not the next season <laughs> right exactly look at rupert like there's so many examples of that but it'll be really i think it'll be fascinating to see if we ever see them again and now unlike early survivor if we ever see some of these folks again they're going to be juxtaposed against people who only played 26 day seasons and the gameplay is so different. Uh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Like, how do you do return? Oh, man. Ooh. I also, we need to start listening to Jeff Probst's podcast. Um, and something that I was reading about one of the most recent episodes is that I don't think that they believe that in like back to basics season that we've talked about before. Yeah. I don't think that they see it as viable. I agree because... As I kind of stated in the last episode of our podcast, Survivor is built for the super fan, you know, like Survivor is built for uh, the dynamism and the twists and these things, right? Like, I think it's engaging and interesting. I would love to see it, but I don't think it's viable for them from like, I mean, if they really want to take a big risk, sure, they could do it. Yeah. But 
they're also network television. They're right. a network television reality TV show. Not encouraged to take big risks. No, they're encouraged to continue their formula. Right. Whatever's working. And it turns out that, what, 26-day seasons and... Uh... Advantage <laughs> overload. Yeah. People like that shit, you know? Yeah. People like the big twists, you know? The big thing about Old Survivor that people hate is predictability, you know? Sure. The idea that you would have three or four tribals in a row where you kind of knew exactly know, right. what the picking order was going to be. Right. Well, we'll see. I mean, they kind of, it sounds like they kind of just said it's not going to happen. Maybe for so. season 50, <laughs> you know? I would love it. I, I'm not going to lose hope yet. So, okay. So we, we are introduced to the, the power couple. TBD, if that's... <laughs> then, uh, if anything, they're just they're just a couple. I mean, they're definitely not a power <laughs> couple, you know? I feel bad. I do feel bad for that specifically because I think it's going to tank both of their games and... I hope they turn on each other. We'll see. We <laughs> shall see. So we meet... Um, we move on. We move on. Tika. Visit from, Tika from for the Claire's first... face. <laughs> we move on to Tika for the first time this episode. And we open with Helen talking about the underlying tension of the birdcage you don't want somebody who isn't on your side to get it. And so even though they're trying to bond as a team, that is an undercurrent for her. Yeah, I thought Helen was being kind of weird about everything. <laughs> I, it almost felt ominous to me. Then yeah. I like wrote, uh, there was like an ominous vibe to how she spoke to that. Yeah. I feel like it's an, it's obviously that's Survivor. Yeah, I don't know. I got I got anxiety from watching yeah. her talk about this, and I get it. The birdcage uh, is a is the caged advantage, as I'm going to call it, uh, is ah. <laughs> is terrifying, you know. Uh, but yeah, Tika, they're all freaking out, freaking out a little bit. They're a bunch of weirdos, which I love. That's a compliment. Oh, I did write how the first thing that happens when we get to Tika is that they immediately scavenge uh, all of Bruce's stuff. <laughs> I just put loot, loot Bruce's corpse. <laughs> but he did have a nice belt. But he did have a nice belt. Uh, and then we see them kind of discussing Carolyn and Yam Yam want to go find the key. Pretty much everyone wants to go find the key. Except for Helen. Yeah. Helen doesn't want to go try to find the key. But everybody else is down. Yep. And Yam Yam because he is bored, which I love. Yam Yam's like, I, I am bored. Key time. <laughs> Uh, so they go searching the group hunt. That's what Helen says. She doesn't want a group mm-hmm. hunt, but that group hunt happens. Uh, and you, you, we hear and learn via kind of the, the narration of, of one of Carolyn's uh, interviews that she doesn't feel like she's clicking with the group. Uh, and then we see her find a snake. Yes. And it, there's a tree snake and tree she snake. freaks out. Understandable. It's just a snake. I don't think it. It merits me like being like yeah but that would freak some people out you know that you know i mean that. yeah but like you know just a big old snake i would just be like oh hi little snake oh hey pal i mean i hey, assume buddy. that it's not poisonous well buddy uh we go back to ratu yeah we, we do. see kane looking for the idol right he's, kane's hustling he's hustling hard but everybody knows it there yes tensions build as kane is obviously looking for the idol right he finds a crab delicious crab but everyone's crab. like wink wink we know that you wouldn't have been looking which for like no fucking die like there, of right. course people are out there looking for idols like i i love the 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 cattiness of survivor like you were looking for an idol and it's like <laughs> yeah it's got some big like real housewives energy like yes i i was doing the, like yeah i mean it 
it's hard if you know you're down there's no reason not to if you know that you're on the chopping block there's zero reason not to go very clearly looking for an idol yeah i also just don't get like everybody should be looking for idols it is one of it's those, just like a faux pas i was gonna say i feel like it's one of those like odd remnants of old survivor culture sure where it was about like decorum and politicking and you kind of wanted to be everybody's friend to win the game versus playing the best game to win the game. That's interesting. Cause I have been, I actually was thinking about this with this episode, which is that I think there's a big difference between politicking and diplomacy, you know, because like, I think a lot of people play the politics game. They want people to like them. You yeah. Know? I don't think you need to play the game. Like I know people have to, people have to vote for you at the end, yep. but you really don't need people to like, like you no. to get those votes. And I think people play way too hard into like, trying to be nice to the jury, trying to make close connections, you know, stuff like that. Right. Whereas, like, here's the thing about diplomacy is that diplomacy relies on, like, a basis of strength and, like, mutual agreement, right? Sure. If I find that idol, <laughs> my, 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 my diplomatic negotiation, my, my political capital goes up substantially. Through the roof, baby. And so I, I get, like, the you don't want to be a target. You don't want to be yep. the center of conversations. But being a strong diplomatic player who has stake that's right. the kind of thing that's gonna let you win the actual fucking game right so i think i would like to see more players throw their weight around be more assertive it's interesting maybe in juxtaposition and this is something that i'll give just a tiny bit of context for listeners that we are currently watching season 44 um and most recently we watched <laughs> cook islands uh, why, why are you laugh? Why'd you laugh right before you said Cook Islands, Ellie? Well, I just forgot that <laughs> the the larger context of the um, the beginning of the season. Oops, <laughs> forgot that because it's just wild. But I was thinking about it and I brought it up specifically because Yule is this like panderer. He like straddles that line really awkwardly. Um, and again, this is ten years ago. And not necessarily particularly influential to season 44, but I just think it kind of ties into what you were saying about politics versus diplomacy versus friendliness. Because I think that was in the era where you weren't necessarily trying to be everybody's bestie. Yeah, that's true. But you were definitely playing to the jury. Yeah. And so Yule is like also seen as this godfather of strategy, pulling the strings and kind of manipulating things while having to balance this likability factor. Sure. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. I do think that Yule does exert a kind of uh, very diplomatic nature. I actually think that a great example of that is uh, Yule's and Jonathan's conversations. Oh, I loved them. All of them. <laughs> yeah, all those little like cutaway conversations, which is the two of them kind of discussing the politics and the diplomacy of the camp and like what is realistic and these like very stark terms yep. is very interesting and very fun to watch because you get like, they're both speaking the same language yep. there, you know, there's no, there's no barrier of like needing to interpret what you want the other person to hear there. Yep. They're just, it's very straight and it's very interesting. Like somebody was talking about, Oh, you, you were calling Rational. yourself absorbed. Yes. You're talking about how he's self-absorbed. You're talking all the, you, you know, you, you're talking shit about Penner and he's like, no, I'm just saying that he is, has rational self-interest. Mm -hmm. He is a predictable player yep. because he is looking out for his game and trying to make moves that align with him advancing in this game. And, and I love that when you think about it in juxtaposition of the fact that it still is this 
minefield if you go looking for an idol when yeah. really that is the most rational self-interest yes <laughs> yeah it's 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 just a social faux pas more than anything i yeah. think like everybody wants to be looking for an idol but we're all resisting looking you know <laughs> but now you're doing it i hate it i guess i'll go if everyone's going i guess like everybody else is going but luckily someone finds the key somebody finds a key that's right after much scrimping and scrounging uh because he is a, a hyperactive <laughs> child dan firefighter danny ball of energy well, ball of energy i can't do it <laughs> ball i like danny very much i do too danny stand up for me this episode yeah we didn't get a ton of time with him i don't think but what we did is fantastic i also have to note because i am mad at all of the other members of soka <laughs> They just thought he was out collecting. Like, nobody suspected yeah. a goddamn thing. We flash from Ratu, where everybody's judgy of Kane, very understandably mm -hmm. looking for an idol. And we flash to Soka, where Danny's the only one looking. And nobody says, no one even. Yeah, Soka thinks... seems remarkably chill. Or maybe everybody's just really distracted by Matt and Franny. By the lust. Yeah, by just like the blatant <laughs> displays of lust going on. Um, so Danny finds the key. He says, I can't wait to tell everyone. No, I'm not. Like it's like you said, a little bit like a beautiful, sweet child. I, uh, I, I love him. So I like when he gets it. He goes, got it. Let's go, dudes. And then he goes, he, 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 he just like runs off into the woods. I adore Danny. He flosses poorly. That's, I, I put little flossing goblin. <laughs> little flossing goblin. I adore him I, yeah, so much. Danny's a stand up for me this episode. I think that he's yeah. just charming and he seems like a not bad dude. No, he seems just like a smart, funny, nice dude. Yep. <laughs> he's yep. a firefighter. We love our local firefighters. <laughs> then? Oh, we're, the cage saga is what I have written here. The cage saga. And like they resolve theirs really easily. Like Danny find key. Yes. Danny open cage. Danny successfully hide. <laughs> that he has the idol from everyone else. Like, yep. he relocks it back up, makes the bag look like it hasn't been opened. Yep. Like, boom. It is a dramatic contrast with what we are about to unfold. The saga. <laughs> the the cage saga, uh, which is, holy crap. <laughs> like, I, I rewatched the episode again today. And, like, that whole Danny thing, Danny getting the key, all that, the idol, that's, like, maybe five minutes. Totally. This... This, believe that this next part is like i swear to god 20 minutes of the episode no it, I'll just 15 maybe it's but. uncomfortable enough that i can imagine it felt like 15 to 20 minutes it is <laughs> it's like my skin crawls just thinking about it a little bit so when folks are scared off by the snake carolyn decides she's not going to give up so as the rest of her tribe is going off for water she goes looking again mm -hmm. she says that it reminds her of the time she dug through her son's poop oh man i was really hoping you wouldn't mention this because <laughs> so you could <laughs> no oh. i was just gonna avoid it altogether <laughs> because like genuinely rarely do i go like oh that's too much information like i did not need to know that and this is one of those moments we have to report on the truth <laughs> so she finds the key she's a very interesting <laughs> character <laughs> Her perseverance, her poop, her poop searching <laughs> skills transferred to this hunt. Scat searching, please. And she finds the key. She gets the idol out of the cage 
and she brings the whole ass bag. What Ellie is not, I think, accentuating enough is that she's red in the face, like sweating and just like freaking the <laughs> fuck out this entire time. Like, like, how did everybody not be like, why are you so sweaty? Because like, it was just so red and so panicked. I thought she was going to have a heart attack. It was terrifying. Yeah. So she yes. takes it. She doesn't think about it. She shuts the cage, doesn't lock it again. She leaves. It's yep. just sitting there open and vacant. The exact thing you should not do if yeah. you get this advantage she just goes back to camp with it in her shorts or something and then (laughs) realizes her mistake she has the come down it's amazing you can just see her like amped adrenaline sweating (laughs) feeling good and then you see the you can see live the flip in her head this this, the switch just goes off and she goes oh fuck gotta go back i messed this up so bad (laughs) so she decides she needs to go back she needs to put the bag back. The bag. The bag. <laughs> She's my people. <laughs> so she gets the bag back, kind of under the wire again. It seems very mm-hmm. well edited. The suspense is high. Um, but immediately, Carson notices that the pouch <laughs> is more open. Pretty much everybody notices. Right. She does a pretty shit job. She does not do a very thorough job. No. Well, no. So immediately, suspicions start rising. Yes. And of course, at this point, I was like, oh, man, Carolyn, you are super fucked super fucked everybody's gonna know you have it like you're doomed <laughs> no one suspects carolyn not for a goddamn second I'm, does oh, anybody mention carolyn I'm as a, a suspect i'm a little insulted for her yeah i'm like pretty insulted for her i think that that sucks that nobody thinks it's her and then at the same time if somebody interrogated her i do think she would break which is maybe not fair of me <laughs> And I'm just the same as those bullies. <laughs> but it doesn't even seem like they asked her, you know? No. I mean, and maybe it's just the edit, but like, it's hilarious as they start walking. So my favorite part, actually, of this entire episode, oh, no. and I could not wait to talk about it, okay. is when uh, Carson starts talking <laughs> about how um, he studied BLEs, uh, body language experts yep. uh, in the FBI. So... Um, if you know anything about body language experts, they're full of shit. They're just complete bullshit. Like it's it's made up uh, testimony by FBI agents to get people arrested for crimes they didn't commit. <laughs> That's what that is, Carson. So nice job, you narc. It's just so on brand for Carson to have read an FBI body language book. It is, and I, to also then presume that he can read people because he did that. <laughs> He's uh, also, just to nail in the coffin, but he does suspect the wrong person immediately. Which is fucking hilarious. He immediately is like, it's Helen. Yep. <laughs> Chef's kiss. The tribes, the, the, the tribe decides to go through each other's bags to, bags. I can't stop saying the word bag this bags. episode. Oh, it's humiliating. The tribe decides to shake out their stuff out of the, pa- the pouches and satchels that they are in. Uh, Yam Yam says he's looking for nervousness. He thinks Sarah could be nervous. Sarah thinks Yam Yam has it because he's sneaky. We learned that Yam Yam is jealous of boobs because it would be the perfect place to hide an idol. <laughs> would be. A, I mean, he's absolutely. Yeah, he's correct. Uh, but I, I mean, like that's like sometimes Yam Yam speaks. And I'm like, he's just so wise. I think that again, this is just reiterating to me or reinforcing to me. I'll say that Soka is not a strategic tribe whatsoever. They are not looking very competitive right now other than Danny. And the reason for that is when we flash to them in between Carolyn finding the idol and then everything else we just talked about, we hear Claire say, 
that she hasn't looked at the cage in days. And so maybe it's strategy to kind of make yourself not look like a target, not draw a lot of attention to themselves. But it's so fascinating to me that this whole tribe, except for seemingly Danny, has that mentality. Yeah, I think that what you've got there is three passive players and two active players, really. Yep. Um, I think Claire is... Yep very much has her head i just think that you're right though she, she that was really weird and she's like i haven't looked at it in days i'm like bitch you should probably you pay should more attention <laughs> um, but uh that being said i do think her head is in the game but yeah uh jamie uh matt and uh franny no sarah matt and franny isn't it no 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 heidi heidi oh heidi Fuck. which we we haven't really met heidi no though. not really and wait is josh on this tribe too who's josh Josh is on this tribe, too. Oh, Josh is on this tribe. Ah! So we are really not meeting these players. No. Which we is have, interesting. It's weird. They haven't really, they haven't gone to tribal that we've but seen. But hey, anywhere. we get that Franny, mon- that Franny Matt montage. Thank goodness for that, goodness. I guess. Okay. Um, so <laughs> so it's, a, it's a reward slash immunity Ooh, oh. uh, challenge. So Tell us what they win. Uh, behind door number one <laughs> for the people that come in first they get a bunch of fishing gear whoa clap, it's going to change clap, clap. your life Jeff says uh, I thought it was going to be a car and then the <laughs> second reward oh, miss those days. is I know right <laughs> and then the second reward is less fishing gear ooh, ooh but wow. immunity again oh note shink that's right when, <laughs> when they return the sword they make the shink sound effect cut it in right here alright shink we need to talk about this challenge. Yeah, let's talk about the challenge. Uh, they start by going up and over an obstacle, and then they move some sandbags. <laughs> Can't stop saying bags. Sandbags. Sandbags. They move some sandbags um, from one pile to an area where they can tip them over to find a pouch with a ball. And that ball. That's why I wrote sandy balls. That must See? be it. Oh, it all comes together. Um, so they find the ball and then they do like a ladder. They have to climb a bro- the bridge. It's a very cool obstacle course. Yep, we've seen my it favorite, before. We have. My favorite part was the part where they everybody else had to pull on the rope to like raise a drawbridge. Oh, yeah. And then one person had to like run over it. Mm-hmm. That was rad. Kind of on Big theme fan. with the, um, the motif of the season. There is one great read uh, before the challenge actually starts where I believe Claire says she's going to sit out. She sure does. And Jeff says, is that a tribe decision or a personal one? Claire going to sit out again. Is that a volunteer or is that a tribe decision? Both. Huh. And it's the most perfect huh. I have the same exact note. <laughs> huh. Great. Just incredible. I'm. That's why Jeff Probst is the best. Is He's reads a legend. Like that. It is perfect. It is so Jeff Probst, a little judgy, uh, but not wrong. No. I mean, if we're being honest, no. <laughs> it's, he's a daytime he's a daytime talk show host in all the best ways, and none of the shitty ways. I just love him so much. Uh, this is a Jeff Probst. We didn't finish fan account at the end of the challenge, though. The last part of the challenge: snake maze, snake maze, rope ball puzzle. It's thing. the thing they do all the time. Yep, you put a ball on so predictable. Oh, sorry. a curved support beam, and then you raise that beam with two opposing ropes, one in each hand, and you navigate it around a windy, windy snake until you get it to a small hole at the nose of the snake. And if you can get it into the nose first or second, you win those damn fishing kits. And immunity. And immunity. That's probably the more important part. So yeah, they've used this this as the finale, the final part of a challenge several times. 
yes. uh, at this point. And it's become a little predictable. So predictable, as a matter <laughs> of fact. Wait, don't spoil it. Okay. Did you see how Danny climbed over yes. the first obstacle yes. completely vertical? Yep. Everybody else, understandably so, I'm not judging the other contestants whatsoever for this, but they're like using their arms to climb up this first part of the obstacle. Not Danny, not firefighter Danny. He just basically high knees it and then he just runs also down the net on the other side. That was the actually the cooler part was he just like perfectly slid, ran down the net and like landed on his feet with like almost no impact. It was extremely impressive physical so, feet. <laughs> so impressive and just beautiful. Yeah. Total challenge beast moment. Total honestly. challenge. He's going to be fun challenge beast Dude, to Dude, he watch. makes it far enough. He's going to be a fucking threat. <laughs> he, it was really impressive. Uh, nothing else really significant happens during the challenge. Nah. All three teams make it at various times. Yep. To the snakes. Um, so many snakes in this episode love snakes uh ratu ends up winning what they they were in last coming into this final space well that's because matthew mr main character himself (laughs) turns out uh matthew has uh has built a replica of this puzzle this challenge in his backyard and so he crushes it he yeah he finishes in it must have been record time. It must be record time. And it was impressive. I actually think that all three of the people on the snake maze were pretty great. Josh struggled yeah, early, but he then did, but he it was actually pretty tight towards the end. Pulled there. it out and like I did right. Josh didn't crack. No, exactly. He which like, is great. Yeah, right? I love to see that, right? Somebody who's clearly struggling and, and not no, struggling he... in a super profound way, but in enough way where Jeff, you know, says the thing that he often says about a learning curve, mm-hmm. comes back, gets second place. But yeah, Matthew just zoomed through it like it was no problem. Absolutely crushes it, yeah. And I, I hate it. I, I fucking hate it. <laughs> Wait, tell me your feelings. This game can't only be for like the wealthy people who have 3D printers in their house and have the backyard space or the garage and the tool sets to reconstruct all of the puzzles. I do think that survivors had enough interesting challenges that they could alternate or vary things if that's really going to be how it is. But that hasn't been how they've done it and they seem to kind of be leaning into this shit if they're bringing people on knowing that that's what they were doing and it makes me kind of mad it is i mean like okay so here's here's my point of view right i'm kind of going to reiterate what i said in the first episode which is any game that becomes popular and competitive enough will eventually be optimized totally um like especially by white nerds who have nothing better to do (laughs) i would know i'm one of them uh But seriously, it's just it's just utter optimization, right? Like you made a predict they made a call, both Carson and Matthew have done this. They have the data that shows the most commonly appearing puzzles, right? Yep. They take that and then they practice them to give them a advantage. There's nothing you know, that's no different to like I play a lot of competitive card games. A lot of people just practice online, right? They don't right. play with other person, they they goldfish, they look up optimum strategies written by better players and they use deck lists, not that they did not come up with, but are optimal strategies, right? Yep. That's just what gamers do. <laughs> like, Ooh, hiss. I, I don't disagree that like it kind of sucks. I also see it as kind of an inevitable endpoint unless Survivor actively starts taking measures to combat it. And why would they do that? You want to reward that kind of super fandom and commitment to your game, you know? Because oh. I don't really think they're game designers. They're entertainers, right? Like, And that's actually, I believe, one of the things that 
they mention when they're talking about why they probably won't do a back to basic yeah. season is that they are making entertaining television. Yep. And it would bore people to go from Idol Palooza to, you know, just sitting around camp. Uh, more notes. I wrote Matthew. I love it. I love your energy, your main character energy, way to believe in yourself, you know? Mm. But you also don't say, I built one of these in my backyard <laughs> and I've been waiting for this moment and I went against the doctor's orders to like bring it home for my team. Everything about that is just painting a, a giant target on yourself. It's also insufferable. Couldn't agree more. Do you want to talk about going back to Tika? I'd love to talk about going back to Tika. So Tika's headed off, is going to be going to tribal. Everybody's sad. So sad. And extremely paranoid uh, because they know the idol's gone. Yep. And they don't know who has it. I think it's interesting because it, it, as as negotiations of who is going to be voted out start, right? everybody except for Carolyn says, obviously we vote Carolyn, right? right? And then almost immediately, Yam Yam goes and talks to Carolyn like... and is like, no, no, I love Carolyn. Carolyn and I, by the way, I love how he described it, the Crazy People's Alliance. Uh, <laughs> or did I write that or did he say that? I don't remember. Uh, I loved it. I like how sneaky he is. I like how he's like, I'm going to save Carolyn because I love Carolyn. <laughs> it's an alliance that I'm like all for. The Carolyn and Yam Yam alliance is, I hope, goes a long way. Oh, I love it. Yam Yam refers to Carolyn as a mixture of Goofy and Cher, which is probably the best, should be the episode title if you ask me. Yeah, I don't know why they chose two <laughs> dorky magnets when you could have just named it Goofy and Cher. Mix, yeah. It's amazing. And honestly, accurate. So I, I, I was accurate. like extremely accurate. I loved it so much. Um, so, you know, we talked about Danny's estimation going up in my eyes and, mm -hmm. uh, and Carolyn's estimation was already very high for me, mm -hmm. but in this scene, in this, these moments post-travel and the scrambling, Carolyn cemented herself. I think she's a fantastic judge and read of people. Yes. Maybe it's her drug counselor background. Maybe it's just who she is, but she could see through Carson that he was playing both sides in a way where he thought he was tricking the whole world. Yeah. I did write Carolyn secretly brilliant question mark <laughs> idiot savant question mark. Uh, I do think she's amazing. In this moment as well, we hear Carson talk about how he likes to play both sides, essentially because he has layers like an onion, which is so cute. Somebody once told me the world. You know what else has layers? What else? Ogres. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so this is the quote that I wrote down from that moment. Okay. I don't want people to think that I'm a little bit more intelligent than they are. Yeah. He's, he's extremely, um, uh, he has layers. He has no <laughs> self-awareness whatsoever. Yeah. It's, it's a little tough. Like We're all just ogres here. So he... <laughs> just, you need to edit in just like a bunch of smash mouth. <laughs> 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 I'll see what can I can we do. rename the episode Goofy and Cher <laughs> just, on our, just on our podcast I love that um, alright so Tribal Aww. you want to talk about Tribal yeah I don't actually have a ton of notes on Tribal I do think there was some intrigue compared to the last most boring Tribal conversation of all time but this one he asks <laughs> are we going to be going based on Tribe's strength or based on alliances uh, yes uh, I, I wrote one thing that there's no such thing as Tribe strength I'm going to think about that for a second. I don't agree with Margaret Thatcher on anything except, except. <laughs> that 
if you take what she said about you know there is no state there are only individual actors upon who act upon one another right that's not true about society that is true about survivor and so my whole argument i guess what i'm trying to phrase it as is like no matter how much strength you may lose like physically or tribe strength whatever tribe strength means you know if it's physical strength or like overall fortitude or mental strength however you want to classify it yeah in truth it's actually just a way for an in-group to enforce and I uh, to exclude someone as an out-group and put votes against them, essentially, right? Like, because tribe strength doesn't actually matter. Like, you don't actually have enough, like, the reduction of one of these players, you don't know what the challenges are going to be or how relevant their skills are going to be or, like, how these things are going to translate. Right. To me, the idea of tribe strength, it, it, it's just a way to, like, rationalize voting someone off. I, I can see what you're saying for sure. I think I found a good way to summarize. Let's hear it. If you don't mind. Wouldn't mind at all. Um, tribe strength is a lie that we tell ourselves. Is <laughs> <laughs> a lie that we tell ourselves um, that makes it seem like the pre-merge game is not entirely arbitrary. Interesting. Okay, I love that. I love that as a Because the a fact is that, like good survivor players, strong players, smart players get eliminated all the time pre-merge. For largely arbitrary reasons. Sometimes things they didn't, they like aren't actually responsible for pre-merge. It's kind of just a crapshoot, you know, like your game is so reliant on kind of like the people around you in like a really arbitrary way. Right. <laughs> you know, you have very, you have so much less control of whether or not you're going to tribal, for instance. Yeah. At that stage, like that, that's my hot take. Is that tribe strength is just the lie we tell ourselves that so it makes us feel like people are making like rational, good political decisions when in truth it's just, you know, it's just a total fucking crap shoot. Yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> I, I wanna sit with that a little bit longer and like kinda think about it because I think there are great examples of that and then obviously yeah. Exactly. That's the thing is that like I th- I'm not saying like people don't like it can't be like a rational thing that people come to a conclusion of how we want to do it. Right. But like saying that like well you vote based on tribe strength and like early merge is just a lie. Like right. you're just lying to everyone around you. You're just trying to use this narrative that we as survivor players have to push whatever your actual agenda is because there is no tribe strength. These are all individual actors trying to act out their own schemes. Anyway, there's my there's my dissertation on how survivor players create ontological constructs that allow them to lie to both themselves and each other to excuse to excuse things they would feel like guilty about or shame. Before we get to the results of the vote, anything else you have in your notes about tribal? Uh, I love how Yam Yam stands up for Carolyn. Yeah, she. He says some very nice things like about her in a good way all yeah, the time. She's like this all the time, and I mean that in a good way, and I love that. Cries over right papaya, Carolyn. Carolyn walks up to the little voting booth <laughs> and just yeah. frazzled, immediately frazzled. But I don't think she's wrong. There's an entire, essentially what looks like an entire massive chess set where you vote. And so Carolyn says, why so many pieces? Just put one <laughs> and refers to it as a horror movie haunted house. Yeah. And I don't disagree with her. It was so crowded. So the vote happens. Vote happened. And Sarah doesn't have a vote. Sarah has no vote. Forgot about that. Yeah, I forgot to actually. Um, well, the big thing is that Carolyn, they, they ask, does anybody like to play a hidden immunity idol? And Carolyn does not. Carolyn 
does not play her idol. She holds strong. She's she, so nervous. She looks like she's about to die. Yeah. Uh, and the vote turns out to be Helen. Helen's gone. What? Out of nowhere, I felt like I was shocked by Helen's departure. Who you thought Carolyn was going home? Um, I kind of like my initial thought was like Carolyn's not going to play the idol and then she's going to get voted out and I'll be sad about it. Yeah. But it turns out that Carolyn is fucking diamond hands. Brilliant. Yeah. And now just has an idol. Yeah. <laughs> and Carolyn and Helen's gone, uh, which seems to have been Yam Yam's play. I think that, yeah, Yam Yam and your your boy Carson. Carson flips over. Carson yeah. came through. Can I tell you what? I actually, I actually do have a reason why I think Carson voted for Helen. Okay. He thought she had the idol because mm. he's been studying as a body language expert and he said that she looked nervous. So he thought that. I think that's a great guess. I think that yeah, is because he's an spot idiot. on. <laughs> he's wrong. He's it wrong. It would be a great strategic move if he was right. Yeah, it was interesting. Honestly, it was a less predictable than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just due to the editing. Mm-hmm. But um, it went great. I, I did. I did write. Uh, is this whole thing, this whole aesthetic of the season, is it Dungeons and Dragons themed? <laughs> We're going to go with yes. We're going to say yes, officially. I'm actually kind of serious. Only because I was thinking about um, the cross-promotional opportunities that have occurred in Survivor before. Okay. Like Applebee's and Those are the good Outback ones. And, and um, Gulliver's Travels starring Jack Black. Oh my gosh. It was so glorious. Oh, and the Dungeons and Dragons movie. That's my <gasps> prediction. Oh, fuck. I'm going to put that out there right now. I love it. I can't wait to see it. Put a pin in that. Pin. This is a Dungeons and Dragons themed season, and they're going to have a cross-promotional, hopefully Applebee's slash Dungeons and Dragons, the slash movie. Slash Chris Pine. Slash Chris Pine slash Hugh Grant. Ooh. Would watch. I don't know if any of that is true, but I want to make that prediction right now. I fucking love it. Yeah. Only at Applebee's. Good night. <laughs>